Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. All right. Before you sit down, uh, tell the person that came with you, the person next to you, tell them, you look good tonight. Even better with a, ma- with a face mask on. I was kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no Have a seat. Uh, those of you that didn't even stand up. It's okay. Uh, God bless you guys. It is so, so good to be able to uh, be in the house of God. Uh, the way I see it is we're in his patio and, uh, and I feel good, you know, just to be in his house and to be able to gather and hear his word. Amen. Yes. Uh, by the way, just because we're outside, it doesn't mean that we're not the same church. We are the same church. We love God. We're passionate about Jesus. We love his people. We love what he loves. We hate what he hates. We want to do his will in our lives. Today, I want to share with you the first part of, a, a, I guess you could say, a topic that I believe God is going to use greatly in your life. Uh, one of those things that I know for sure is that God wants to transform us. He wants to conform us to his likeness and to his image. A lot of people like Jesus, but they don't want to be like him. They like him, but they don't want to be like him. Many, many people, many people agree with him. You know, they've come to agreement with his teachings, but they don't accept them for their own lives as a creed, as a lifestyle. Am I making sense? Yes? Amen? So what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to do something I believe God mandated for me to do in this next uh, two sermons that I'll be giving. So tonight on Sunday, Sunday will be part B or the second part of what we're going to begin today. If you guys know, on Sunday, we're back here. Uh, first Sunday back in person. Uh, we're really, really excited. We're going to follow all the same safety guidelines. You know, we're going to me- uh, measure temperature, all that. I don't know if we have hand sanitizer, but we're going to have that also on Sunday. And uh, and just, it's, it's going to be really, really exciting. But um, come here early because it's going to get pretty uh, pretty full. We might need chairs a little further forward. Some people may be standing in the in the alley, which is okay. We'll talk to the city later. But uh, maybe we could put people on the roof. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, but uh, no kids. But anyway, one of the things I really, really look forward to uh, this Sunday is to be able to share the second part of this message because I believe that God's going to complete whatever he begins tonight. So be patient with the process. Say with me, patient. Patience. We need to be patient with the process. Man, sometimes we want things now. We live in a culture. We want everything our way and we want it now. And if it's not now, then we get upset. What would happen to this generation? Talk to me, adults. What would happen to the young people today if they had to use dial-up? <laughs> Some of you I think they would rip their hair out, right? So Some of you kids are like, what is dial-up? <laughs> Remember that? The little thing, just the little clock turning and turning and turning. I got to tell you this. God is working on you. God is working on you. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Not because God takes long, but because we take a longer time to understand and to change our behaviors. Listen, if we don't change, we're going to have to go through the same test over and over and over. One of the things that I realize this is that God wants to change us from the inside out. Because if you change, everything changes. If you change, everything changes. 
If I change, then everything changes. Amen? Let's open up the Bible. I want to kind of tell you a story tonight. And of course, I'm going to give you all the verses and you can read all the chapters. But because of time, I'm going to try to go and uh, just tell the story. I love stories. It's how I learn. And I just want to share with you this story. You may already know it. But I guarantee you, there's one part of this story that's going to shock you and that you probably have never heard before. I want to share with you the story uh, from 2 Samuel. I'm going to go from chapter 11 all the way through 23. Like I said, I'm not going to read it all. But I I do want to talk to you about a man. I don't know if you ever heard his name. His name is Ahithophel. Ahithophel or Ahithophel. We should call him A. Just kidding. What up, A? Ahithophel. What's his name? Ahithophel? No. Ahithophel. Okay, Ahithophel. Ahithophel is a man who, raise your hand if you have heard of him before. You don't have to lie to kick it. Okay, no one's heard of him. I'm glad. Okay, two people, and they were probably raised in a Christian home. I believe 100% that Ahithophel today is going to bless your life. Ahithophel was one of the counselors of King David. Now, who knows who King David is? Raise your hand, right? David versus Goliath, right? The guy who wrote most of your Psalms. King David, a man after God's own heart. This man was incredible. King David is perhaps one of the greatest kings that ever, one of the greatest leaders to ever walk our earth. Not only that, he was a friend of God, one who stored up mercies for the fourth, fifth, and sixth generation. King David was an amazing man. But King David was also a very flawed man. He was a sinful man. He was a man with deep struggles, great struggles. So I got great news just to begin tonight. If you have great struggles... I have amazing news for you. That your story doesn't have to be, doesn't have to end with struggle. That your story, your life story, just because there are struggles in your life or sin or something you're dealing with, it doesn't mean that that is what defines you. King David had great struggles, but he also got great victories. King David fell and he fell so hard, but when he fell, the Lord lifted him up. Every time David fell, God found a way to lift him up and raise him up again. Can I tell you this? Every one of us here fall. The Bible says that the righteous man falls six times, he shall rise rise a seventh. Did you know that even righteous people make great mistakes? And I have to tell you tonight that no matter what mistake you've made in your life, God can raise you again. Please say amen. Now before we think I'm just making excuses for people to fall into sin and to live a lifestyle that is not pleasing to God, I need you to listen to this. Every single one of our sins has great consequence. Everything we do that offends the heart of God, it hurts other people and it hurts us. The reason why God doesn't want us to sin is not because it affects his self-esteem. The reason why God doesn't want us to walk in sin, meaning sin is anything that misses the mark. And what is the mark? Jesus. What is the mark? His perfect will for our lives. Young people, please listen. The reason why God doesn't want you to fall in sin and to follow sin is because he has deep, terrible, horrible, sad consequences on you and those that are close to you. Please listen to this. Atophel was a man who loved David. He honored David. Atophel was a guy who was, was held in great regard by all the kings around him. The Bible says the following of Ahithophel, 2 Samuel 16, 23. And now you guys got to track with me because if you miss part of this story, it's kind of like math where you, if you miss a chunk, then later on you're going to be so lost. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So stay with me. Okay. Stay with me. Ahithophel, right? 
Second Samuel 16.23, remember, he's a counselor of David. Now, in those days, the counsel that Ahithophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God. You hear that? How crazy is that? Another version says that when Ahithophel spoke, it's as though you had spoken directly to God. What if that was said of you? Come on now, what if your friends knew you as someone who, when you talk to that person, it's as though you're talking to the Lord. How many people do you know in your life that are this kind of wise, loving, incredible people like that? Now, I, I've met some people that are so godly, but I cannot say, I cannot say that I'm listening to the words of the very, of the very living God. Now, the one person in my life that is that I can find closest to me is my father-in-law, who is just so righteous. He's a man who loves Jesus. I don't know if you have had the chance yet, if you're brand new, to meet him. He's uh, also a pastor in this church. He's my step, my 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 stepdad. Now he's my my father-in-law, and uh, and he's just a man who loves Jesus with all his heart. He's uncompromising. He's he's if he gives you a hug, you feel like your your your, your dad is hugging you and I didn't, I didn't even have a dad so it's like he I, I don't know if have you guys met him before yeah. yeah okay anyway when he talks to you you feel like there's like an angel talking to you you feel like convicted of sin and you haven't done anything yet you're like I don't know, I don't know why why he, he just gives you encounter hugs like just ministers to you with his love it is so beautiful man when he preaches uh, every single time his tears just just move you because he loves God so much now listen this man was known Aitofel was known for the power in his words, for the wisdom, the godly counsel in his life. Both Absalom, the son of David, and David regarded him as a man that when he spoke, he was so wise. The words of God could have been heard from his mouth. Now, exactly one chapter after, listen, exactly one chapter after, 2 Samuel we just read 16.23. Now let's go to 17.23. Listen to what happened to this wise man. When Aithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and went off home to his own city. He set his house in order and hanged himself. And he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. The same man that was so godly, so wise, that when you talked to him, it seemed like you were listening to the words of the very living God. The very next chapter, he saddles his donkey, sets his house in order, and hangs himself. What leads a man so wise to want to commit suicide? I don't know if you know this, but we live in times where suicide is rampant. Where attempts of suicide are spiked or have, has, have been so high. I was talking to an officer the other day and he was saying to me, I, I translate for, for cities around here. And he was telling me, it is so wild how much violence we are seeing in the homes. Domestic violence call after domestic violence call. He says, it is so sad to see how much pain there is. He doesn't know I'm a pastor and I've been, I was just, he, he sees me as an interpreter of the city. And as I was talking to him, I can see the pain in this man's life, a police officer. We live in days today where people are driven to those points, whether it's because of financial stress or breakdown in the family, whatever reason it is. Now, maybe you're not going exactly through that, but my question is this, what leads a man to want to end his own life, especially a man of this caliber? 
We're not talking about a person that doesn't value anything. We're talking about a man who has the ear of the king. Aitofel decided to end his life. I want to tell you now the story that led up to that moment. And some of you might know it. King David was a great man, I told you. You say, well, okay, how are we going to David now? Listen, it says because David didn't listen to his counsel. I want to tell you the story of David really quick. We're not going to read it. I want to tell you the story of it. David was a man who killed Goliath. He killed Goliath, he becomes a king. Now, that's a really, really short version of what really happened. King David was one time looking over the, over his, uh, you know, the, the top of his roof. And he saw a woman. Her name was what? Bathsheba. What was she doing? Taking a bath. Now, you'll remember bath? Sheba. Okay, what was her name? So he saw this woman, Bathsheba. And he desired her. And the Bible says that he inquired of her. And he said, and David sent in 2 Samuel eleven three. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Listen, Bathsheba was married. She was married to a general in King David's army. One of his most loyal, most incredible generals of his own army. But David, even though he had already his wives, he already had everything he needed. He had everything he needed. He saw her. He lost it after her. He called her. He did things he shouldn't just because there's kids here. And eventually she comes back and says, Dave, I'm pregnant. Say with me, ooh. You are the father. I'm just kidding. So he, he's like, Dave, I'm pregnant. And because her husband was away at war, King David calls Uriah and says, Uriah, why don't you go home and spend the night with your wife? Because Uriah was such a faithful man. He decides not to go home. He says, how could I go home and spend time with my wife while my men are out in battle? Such a loyal man, such a man of high character. And because David couldn't get him to go home, he gets him drunk. And even drunk, he still won't go and spend the time with his wife. So there was no way to say that was Uriah's baby. David was now trapped. Now David had to do something because one sin, listen, one sin will always lead to another. Always. Always. If you lie one time, you're going to have to lie twice and three times and four times to cover up all those lies. It is never, ever one single sin. It is always bringing friends with it. Listen, sin, even those secret sins in your life will always have public consequences now you may not think so right now but I promise you this every sin in your life has public consequences even if they're secret now we don't want to believe that we don't want to think that because some sins you don't do you simply think you simply think them you act them in attitudes and they're not so public they're not as other sins but they're still sin and there's still something in it listen King David did this after that, he had to find a way to get rid of Uriah. So he wrote a letter and he told Uriah, why don't you take this letter? Listen, take this letter and give it to your commanding officer. And in the letter that Uriah was carrying was his death sentence. It says, put Uriah in the very front of the battlefield and then withdraw the rest of the troops so that he dies. And when he's dead, let me know. Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, was now carrying his sentence, a loyal, incredible general. Now, I'm talking to you about David, King David, the man after God's own heart. How could he do that? A man whom the people trusted and loved. Did you know that when Uriah goes, he dies? 
And now King David becomes a hero. He pretends to take care of this woman. Oh, because now she's pregnant. He brings her into his house and the people clapped and the people thought, wow, what an amazing king that he would take care of his general's, his general's wife. Because he dies in battle, the king takes care of his own. The people didn't know. But someone always knows. Someone always knows. I want to tell you something, Ahithophel, his trusted counselor, knew exactly what David was up to. Ahithophel saw and he probably tried to steer him. He tried to counsel him. He tried to say, Dave, don't do that. David, what are you doing? As a matter of fact, this is what's really going to strike you hard. And this is what I know that God wants you to realize tonight. Listen, Ahithophel knew about it. And Ahithophel was so hurt. Because of this. Because listen, the Bible says this, that David inquired of her and he said that this was the daughter of Eliam. Do you know who Eliam was? Eliam was Ahithophel's son. Meaning, Ahithophel had a granddaughter and her name was Bathsheba. David had just raped and killed the husband of his granddaughter. So King David had really not only betrayed his people, he betrayed a man who loved him, cared for him, provided counsel for him. He was his leader, his friend, a one who, who helped him build his kingdom. So Ahithophel's granddaughter had just been violated. He had been, Ahithophel was betrayed to the core of his being. And now I ask you, what drove Ahithophel to the point of suicide? And the answer is simple. It is called bitterness. Bitterness is a root that grows within people. And unless you uproot it, it will keep on growing and growing and growing. Ahithophel had a beautiful granddaughter. And David destroyed her life. Now, one thing that brings bitterness into a person is when someone wrongs you. When you don't get what you deserve. Or when someone gives you what you don't deserve. But one thing that's even worse is when somebody hurts someone you love. Please say amen. You can be hurt, but when someone attacks someone that you care about, when someone hurts someone you love, that brings not only hurt, it brings bitterness. It brings a root of resentment in your heart. I have to tell you, on, on our way over here, uh, Louis texted me. He said, Pastor P, pray for my, for my son. You know, Joshua, he, he gashed his eye and he's bleeding. We're going to the emergency room. Now, he's okay now. They gave him stitches. He's a, a kid that, you know, when, when you're parents, you can't wait for your kids to start walking. And when they're walking, you can't wait for them to go to sleep and stop walking. <laughs> Isn't it true? Man, you're worried. Every corner is it's like a weapon against their face. And, uh, and so I told him, hey, that's just, that's just street cred. You know, he's just adding style points to himself. He's going to grow up with a cool, cool little thing there. And he said, now people do that. Reggaetoneros, you know, all the people, the rappers do that. So he's going to have the natural swag. Don't worry about it. You know, I was trying to make sure he wasn't worried. But he was saying, Pastor, this really sucks, man, to see my kid, my son. And I said, doesn't it hurt more? Don't you wish it was you bleeding? Parents, you know what I'm saying? Hey, sometimes when someone is hurt that you love, you wish it was you. And I wonder how many times that movie played in the head of Ahithophel. How many times he thought, David, why would you do that? And maybe he was in his courts and because he was a king, he wasn't allowed to say anything. He wanted to. He looked at him, but he knew that David had the power to not only kill him, but the rest of his family. Besides, his granddaughter now was under his care. 
Listen, I wonder how many times that movie of anger played in his head and how it began perhaps as a PG-13 and turned into an R-rated really quick. How many times in his own mind he started thinking, David, you knew that was my granddaughter. You inquired and they told you that was the daughter of Eliam and you knew Eliam is my son. How many times did this man play the movie in his head? And I wonder... If you yourself are a director of a movie that should not be playing in your life. I wonder how many of us with little things, it doesn't have to be something like that, though it could be. How many times something happens or someone doesn't say something. Or perhaps it's not directly to you. Maybe it's to someone that you love. Or perhaps it's not someone that you love. It's people that you care about. Or perhaps it's not just people that you care about, but people that you identify with. Come on, huh? What I'm going to ask you now is something so wild. So different tonight, but I'm going to ask you this. Could there be roots of bitterness in your life? Today, we're not going to finish, man. I'm telling you, we're barely getting started. On Sunday, we pray that God completely uproots. I want to tell you this. I, I changed the grass outside of my house. You know, it was this patch of dirt and a bunch of patches of grass, no matter how much we watered it. All that came out was weeds. Now, with an S, not without the S. All we had in our, in our garden was a bunch of weeds, and they just kept on growing and growing and growing. I was like, man, we got to get these things out of there. You know, I took three inches of dirt out, 18 tons, 18 tons by shovel. Javier helped me out. We were shoveling out 18 tons of dirt. We packed it in. We put this layer of, like, you know, material over it so the weeds wouldn't grow out. Then we packed it out with gravel, and we did something else to it, and then we packed it in again. Then we put synthetic grass. You know, I was so happy. I showed my, I was like, man, my back was hurting. I was, I was like, my, my hands were like bleeding. And Eoni was like, seriously, they were all full of like, you know, stuff. And, and I was just so proud of it. I was like, Eoni, look. I was like, ooh, ooh, ma, ooh, ooh. You know, I was like so excited about, you know, the, the thing that I had done. And you know what happened? Two weeks later, I walk out. And on the edges, I see this little grass looking thing growing. I was so furious. I was so mad. Weeds started growing around my turf. I thought I had done everything right. And I talked to an expert. He said, you know what? Sometimes you do everything right. And you just don't know. As long as there's one little piece of root, it'll start growing back. And I thought when he said that to me, I said, man, isn't that exactly how it works in our lives? One small argument, man, just one tiny small argument against your wife, against your husband, against your kids, your kids against your parents, against your leaders, against your pastor, against your church, against your boss, against your, against your co-worker, against your teacher, against your ex. Just one little argument. And it grabs on like a weed and it starts growing in places that you never expected it to grow. Can I give you three signs of bitter people? Three signs of bitter people. The first sign is this. Bitter people are like porcupines. Listen, they may have a lot of points, but they're really hard to be close to. Bitter people are like porcupines. They have a lot of points. They may be really smart. They may be very intelligent. As a matter of fact, these are people that you can come to and perhaps if you manage to get close enough and pass the spines, maybe you can receive something amazing. But because they are bitter it is so difficult to talk to them. Let me tell you why. Because these are people that are hypersensitive. So point number one, when someone is bitter, they are hypersensitive. And you say, well, I'm not that way. Well, let me ask you this. If I was to ask your husband, if I was to ask your leader, if I was to ask your friends, is that person sensitive? 
they will look at you and say, uh-uh. No, 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 they're not sensitive. Just a little bit. You know, the crazy thing is, is that you could be very not sensitive about everything until they touch that one area. That one thing. Don't touch about. Don't talk about that. You could be so strong in so many areas, just don't talk about that area. Come on now. Yeah, is that okay? Can I preach? Yes. That happens when somebody has a root of bitterness. You can be so amazingly composed. And then someone says something that just rubs you the wrong way. And you X that person out of your life. That person, when you see them, you turn around. You don't want to be around them. You don't want to go to that party just because that person is there. You begin to have feelings in your life that are not Christ-like. Number one, hypersensitivity. Number two, over-analytical. You begin to over-analyze everything. When someone is bitter, they can't just let go. They can't just forget it. Forget about it. They can't do that. They have to think and overthink and rethink and try to think. And they're always wondering if. A person with a root of bitterness will not simply see things for face value. They will always try to find reasons. A person that has a root of bitterness does not give the benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt is very expensive for a person with a root of bitterness. And they may have a reason to, by the way. I'm not saying this is not justified. I didn't say it wasn't justified. I'm just telling you, it's not really what God wants you to live with. Amen. Bitterness, most of the time, is justified. I tell guys all the time, guys, you may be right. It doesn't make you righteous. Just because you're right, it doesn't mean you're righteous. You see, I could be right arguing with my wife, and I may be right. But it doesn't mean I'm righteous in the way I'm going about that. Please say amen, husbands. Yes. Future husbands, amen. That's why you're not married. Good. <laughs> Man. Listen, you have to know something. If you are right, the question is, are you in agreement with the Holy Spirit? Last thing about a person with bitterness. Now, I have a long list and I don't have time on Sunday. We'll really dig, dig deep and make sure every single piece of bitterness is out. And I promise you, God will do something beautiful. He'll begin it tonight. He'll complete it on Sunday morning. But here's what happens. The other thing that you notice in people with the root of bitterness is that they have a really hard time smiling. Just enjoying. Now, I'm not saying you have to be like Alex. You guys know Alex? We call him Smiley. He's always smiling. He has a beautiful smile. Mm. Let's go, ladies. Right? He's amazing. But not everyone is like that. What I'm talking about is joy. The root of bitterness takes joy out of your life. The root of bitterness takes attraction from you. People are not drawn. Instead, they're drawn away. There's this grace that leaves your life. Grace, all grace means is this, the power to do what God called you to do. You lose power to carry out the calling of God over your life. When you have bitterness, it's really difficult to be in the center of the will of God. It is really difficult to enjoy life. You can be happy for seasons and moments with things that come your way. But joy only comes by walking in the center of the will of God. I'm going to repeat that again for those of you that missed that entire message. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is a providence from heaven. It's something that comes from walking in the center of the will of God. I see couples. They start walking together. They start loving each other. They're so happy. But pretty soon something leaves if they don't do things according to the will of God. They may be, may be happy. But joy 
has left their relationship. I'm not saying they could never get it back. I'm telling you that they could never get it back as long as they're not walking in the center of the will of God. What I'm trying to say is simple. Is this, that when a person is bitter, the grace of God leaves them. Now, pastor, that sounds really hard. Listen, I'm not talking about the grace of God that saves you. I'm talking about the grace of God towards other people. You're not graceful towards anyone, and people are hard-pressed to be graceful towards you. The Bible says, I'm going to finish with this verse. It says on uh, Hebrews 12, 14 through 15, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one, who? No one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. It says that the root of bitterness will take the grace of God from your life away. Other people around you will be defiled. They'll be stained. They'll be hurt. David, I believe with all my heart That although he was an amazing man, there was something in him, unquenchable, something in him that kept on telling him to get whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. David had a problem and that problem really affected everyone else. I have to tell you, please listen. Atofel committed suicide, but Shiva lost her husband. Her son died. The kingdom was taken from David. His own sons, when looked at David's life and example, hated him. Absalom tried to take the kingdom from his own father. As a matter of fact, he did. His other son ended up... There's kids here, but I can't say it. His own sister. Absalom killed that brother. David's family was a wreck. He had financial blessings. He was admired by his soldiers. And he was a king, but at home, he was a wreck. Why? I believe the same reason why Athophel committed suicide was hunting David. David had a root of bitterness. I'll talk a little bit more about that on Sunday, like I said, but today I just want to address you for a moment. I don't have much time. I wish I had more time just with you and I so we can really talk. I wish you can come to our kitchen and just spend some time at our house and perhaps, perhaps, dig the garden and see if there's any chunks left because I don't have that I have to ask you in public and I have to ask you is there any roots in your life because of something that someone has done said or didn't do a little girl acts up she's angry at her parents and her parents don't know why grows up pretending to be something he's not and people don't know why a man becomes abusive hurtful and he's hard-pressed to tell anyone why let me tell you why because a root of bitterness is not a fruit it's a root it hides it's underground you see the fruit but you'll never see the root You hear what I said? You will see the fruit. You will see abuse. You'll see anger. You'll see constant job loss. People lose their job constantly. What's going on with you? Why can't you keep a job? Why can't you prosper? Why don't you have grace of God in front of others? Why is it so hard for you to get along with people? Why is it that sometimes you think that the world's against you? 
it's so hard that when you step into a room, you feel like you don't belong there at all. It's almost like you don't belong in this world. And I'm not talking about, hey, you're not of this world, of God, you know, the whole thing. I'm talking about you don't feel like you fit in anywhere because there's something isolating you. Something that you think you have to deal with alone. There's a root in there. And the fruit that it gives, it'll always be bitter. Bitter fruit. Now listen, God wants to deal with that tonight. He wants to get to the root of the issue and begin to work with you tonight. Tomorrow God will work with you a little more. And on Sunday, that's going to die. It's going to be uprooted completely. Please say amen. Come on now. God's going to do something incredible. But what I want for tonight is simply this. That just like Atophel had to at some point, he had to come to a moment of life and death. Now, I'm not saying you do what he did. To the contrary. I wonder what happened with his trail of blood. Because when someone goes, there's always a trail of blood. Suicide is never the answer. Suicide is perhaps the most self-centered act by broken, hurting people. You become tunnel vision. You don't see how many people will hurt. I've talked to too many people. Some that committed suicide. Some that ended up deciding that God can take care of issues, and He has. And they come out on the other side in a beautiful way, and they become a blessing to so many others. What I'm trying to say to you is this. If Aitofel, who was such a wise man, fell so low because of a root of bitterness, because he just simply would not let go, it makes you think that you and I are above hurt and pain. You know, Jesus said to Peter, you ought to forgive seven times seven. Like seven times, just put seven, seven times, seven, seven, seven to the power of seven, I guess. Why? Because Jesus knew that you were going to get hurt over and over and over. You know, a good marriage is only a good marriage if there's two good forgivers in it. <laughs> Married people, please say amen. So the single people don't get the wrong idea. Every single one of us. There's no church that is perfect. In this church, if you come in looking for perfection, get out. Because you're going <laughs> to, even if it was, you would be a more in the There's no perfect church. We're going to hurt each other. We're human beings. And we're going to try to love one another. But I got to tell you this. God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to live with a root of bitterness. I want you to stand up with me. We're going to do something that it's a little uncomfortable for some of us. But you're already wearing a mask, so that's uncomfortable. I figure we add a little more to it. With your eyes closed, everybody, please close your eyes. Everyone, not so that you become more religious, but so that you don't start looking around. And you do something called introspection, meaning look within, stop looking around. Unless you face it, you can never get rid of it. If you keep pretending, it'll never go away, ever, ever. You can't hide it. You have to expose it to God. Some things will not just go away. These roots, these roots feed on anything. Bitterness feeds on anything. A look. Someone could be wearing the same shirt and it makes you mad because you're bitter. Man, listen, that root of bitterness in your home even could be kind words and they're misinterpreted. Some of you have battlegrounds instead of fortress at your house. Some of you know that when you're by yourself, you don't like the person that is with you because there's bitterness in there. 
Today, God wants to take bitterness away. Those of you that are bitter, I believe, will be better tonight. God will change something in you. This is a time where God asks you to forgive. Forgive means this, give in advance without the other person giving you anything. Forgive. Go ahead, Bible says. You know what? One thing I realized is that forgiveness is not a choice. It's a commandment. It's simply the choice to obey or to disobey. It's not the choice to feel. Most of the time, people who have hurt you don't remember or don't care. And many times your life is modified as in Aitofel's life where his life ended because of someone else's sins. What if I told you tonight that someone has more control over you than they should have? The only one allowed to influence you to the point of modification is God. But sometimes the actions of others carry too much weight in us because we do not let go. And God tonight is telling you, it's time to be obedient to me and to forgive. How do you forgive truly? By blessing someone. With your eyes closed like you have them, I want to tell you this. Aitofel was let down and that's what hurt him the most. His king, his friend. I believe David became like the son that Aitofel never had. I believe that at some point or another, when they were talking in the garden or in the, in the courts of the kingdom, Aitofel thought, what a blessing this young man is. I love him. I am so honored to serve by his side. I believe at some point, Aitofel thought of King David as an honor to be around. When I read this story, I felt the pain of letdown. Some of you have been let down by people that you love. And they didn't live up to your expectations. If anything, they didn't value some things that they should have. It could be as simple as a teacher who in a place of authority made you look like a fool and ridiculed you. It could be as complex as a stepfather or a friend of your mother who violated you and told you if you said anything, your world will fall to pieces. It could be as hard as when the time that you said something, they didn't believe you and didn't protect you, those people that should have. It could be something so simple as someone not paying you what you knew you had worked or as complex as a business partner scheming to rip you off. But I have to tell you today, whether it is a church at home, in the workplace, when your emotional life, my God wasn't asleep. My God knows and he loves you so much. He's provided a way out. His name is Jesus. Every sin must be paid. And in due season, every sin will have a consequence and it's eternal. The problem is that if you take matters into your own hands, then the judge cannot handle it. So you take in the place that doesn't belong to you, the judgment seat of God. And God says, get out of my seat now. It's my turn to judge, not yours. Get out of my seat. Let my grace cover you. Don't judge. It's my turn. Dear God, I ask you right now, if there's anyone with a root of bitterness, that you begin to uproot it, that you begin to show them, God, that they begin to see that you love them so much, you don't want them to live with that. Remove sadness, chronicle sadness, anger. God, remove any root 
that does not belong in them. God, please, Holy Spirit of God, right here, right now, as I pray, as I speak, bring to mind those people, those moments that hurt them. God is doing something. I can know it. I can feel it now. Some of you may not, you couldn't even explain it, why you were behaving or thinking the way you were. Some of you feel let down by people and you don't know why. Friends that are no longer in your life, you can't explain it. You may go through your albums or, and all it does is causes nostalgia and the Lord will tell you, this is my time, my season with you. Time to do something new. If you let go of that root of bitterness, a beautiful fruit will come. Something amazing. I declare fruitfulness over your life. I declare that a new season, blessings and relationships, blessings over your life will come. But let go. And at the count of three, you're going to begin to simply thank God for His grace over your life, for His forgiveness over your life. And you're going to begin to forgive. And just say, God, I let go. I forgive. In the name of Jesus, I forgive. One, two, three. Begin to tell Him, God, I forgive. I forgive. I let go. Come on, in your own words, begin to tell God that you're willing to let go. Whoever it is, whatever it is, that you're willing to let go. My bet is that every single one of us here have someone to forgive. Perhaps it's a friend, it's a family member. Maybe, just maybe, for some of you, it's a government. For some of you here, it's someone near you. Maybe it's me, maybe it's your church. Maybe it's your old church. Maybe it's someone that perhaps at some point should have been there and wasn't. What are you just telling God? I declare blessings over that person. I declare blessings. I declare, God, that you are the judge and you are the giver. God, give me the strength to live a life free of bitterness. Jesus, thank you so much because you pay the price so I don't have to pay it. Thank you so much, God, for bringing a new moment in my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Give God a round of applause. Loud, loud, loud. Now listen. Like I said, I'm really excited about part B because we're just kind of tapping into it. But on Sunday, I'm going to tell you this. It's, I'm super, super, super excited. If any of you cannot make it in person, that's fine. Make sure you log in. But from here today, I'm going to leave you some homework tonight, tomorrow. If you can, write a list and just, it's going to be your own list. I'm not saying you post it on the gram, nothing like that. Just simply write something out and begin to ask God to help you forgive specific people. Ask God, make a list. Really, make a list and say, God, these are things, these are reasons, these are people, these are moments. So that Sunday comes, you're ready to go, and God's about to do something even better. Amen? God bless you guys. I want you guys to do something for us.